Well, good morning. It is good to see you all. Uh, we missed you last week as we were up in the state up north visiting my family. Uh, before you guys run me out, remember, I'm a Spartan fan, not a Wolverine fan, so you don't have to run me out of here. Uh, but we enjoyed uh, our holidays, and I hope you all enjoyed your holidays as well. And with that being said, we have now entered into a new year, the year 2020. And that provides, um, a new year always provides uh, exciting beginnings for a number of people. Like the NFL, for example, this year in the Super Bowl, uh, people don't have to complete, compete with the Patriots for the Super Bowl because they lost last night. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, some, some applause there. I, I, that's what it took to get an applause, the, the Patriots to lose. I love it. So, so that'll make it hard for me, though, uh, to know who to root for in the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody else can relate to me. Always it's been, whoever the Patriots are playing, of course I'm rooting for them. But that's going to provide a little difficulty for me this year. Um, but I have some good news for you guys this morning as we begin uh, this new year uh, that I can assure you that today, this will be my shortest sermon of the whole entire decade. <laughs> the, not just the year, not just the week, the month, but the whole entire decade. I guarantee you, this will be my shortest sermon of the whole entire decade. Yes, lots of opportunities for applause this morning. We love the year 2020 so far. Last year, uh, the year 2019, uh, provided a lot of new, exciting beginnings uh, for me. Uh, as uh, If you remember correctly, near the beginning of last year is when I first came here to be the pastor here. So that involved a new job, a, a new house, a new state to live in, new friends. And last year provided uh, many new, exciting beginnings uh, for me as we also got a new baby along the way. So it's a big year uh, for us, the year 2019, and I hope 2020 will be a big and exciting uh, year as well. And so with that said, me coming here last year, uh, we're, we're starting to try to look for houses in the area. So you guys are, gonna, you guys are kind of stuck with me. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> wow, uh, another applause. 2020 is going to be a good year. And so with the new year uh, comes New Year's resolutions. Does anybody have a New Year resolution they made? Raise your hand if you, have, if you made a New Year resolution. Wow, one, one and a half, one and a half people, two, two and a half people in here made, okay, three, three and a half people, it's just going up by the second, three and a half people in here made a New Year's resolution. Wow, we, we, do, we are not the average in America, because according to a survey done in uh, December, about 30% of Americans plan to make a New Year's resolution. And uh, kind of going through that list, the top 10 resolutions that people made for the year 2020 was number one was to exercise more. Yeah. <laughs> number two was to save money. Number three was to eat more healthy and to lose weight, to reduce stress, to get more sleep, to stick to a budget. 28% of the people said they want to focus on spiritual growth. That, that was encouraging for me to see. Number nine was uh, people want to travel more, and the 10th one was people want to learn a new skill. So out of those 30% of Americans, those were the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people were making in the year 2020. I have a question. Yes. That's the, next, that's the next statistic right here. 80% of people by the month of February. 
fail their New Year's resolutions? Good question, Anita. You must have read my notes. 80% of people, four-fifths out of people, don't even make it to February with their New Year's resolution. I mean, that's kind of sad. I hope you three and a half people in here who have a New Year's resolution, I hope you guys can make it further than February. I'll, I'll probably be coming to ask you how you guys are doing. But it was fitting, uh, earlier this week, I, I read a quote uh, by John Maxwell, uh, who is a famous author. Um, he's a pastor. He's, he's huge into leadership, probably the biggest guy in leadership uh, in the Church of America. And, and he said that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Let me say that again. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And that holds so much merit, especially as we enter into a new year. Because each, each year that passes along, there's going to be changes in your life. Just like for me last year, I, I had a new job, I had uh, a new home, I had a new state, I got new friends, we have a new baby. There was lots of change in my life in the year 2019. And all of us could think of things, uh, however little or however big changes that you experienced in your life. Because change is inevitable. Now, some of us may not like change. There's a lot of things that I don't like to change. But regardless, we all experience change. However, growth is not inevitable. But growth is simply optional. But I hope that each and every one of us, for the year 2020, we experience some growth. Because, yeah, in the year 2020, we're all going to experience change. You, you may uh, change where you live. You may get a new job. You may have some different friends. There's, you're going to experience change in your life. But what I want to ensure is that each and every one of us here this morning, that we are having a year of growth, that we're growing in the year of 2020. Because, again, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And how many people want to grow in the year 2020? Raise your hands. I, 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 I hope and expect all of you guys to raise your hand that you want to grow in 2020 because that's natural. People want to be the best that they can be. And so I hope that the year 2020 provides an opportunity for all of us to grow. And so now if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Philippians chapter 3. And in Philippians chapter 3, uh, Paul talks a bit about this, this idea of growth and moving on to something new. So Paul, uh, in the book of Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I used to have troubles remembering uh, these as a kid, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. They always got mixed up. One day, my sister said, girls eat pretty cakes. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Girls eat pretty cakes. If you ever have troubles with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, just remember, girls eat pretty cakes. Ever since that day, I've never gotten Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians mixed up. So in Philippians chapter 3, after Ephesians and before Colossians, in chapter 3, Paul is writing, and Paul starts off in verse 1. We're going to read a decent chunk here in chapter 3, but he starts off by saying, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. If we could all just take note of of this first passage here in chapter 3 where Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. If that's all we did this year, that would provide a lot of growth for a lot of people. There, there's, that is such a strong statement. Rejoice in the Lord. We have so much reason to rejoice in the Lord, for we serve a good, good Father. Can I get an amen? 
That's right. Yes, God is good and God has blessed us so much. So rejoice in the Lord. And so Paul continues in verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who, who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself has reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So here Paul is talking and he's saying that some people, they, they put their confidence in their flesh. They put their confidence in what they do. You know, if someone has a good game or a good job or, or a nice family or nice home, people can put their confidence in the flesh. But, but Paul says to luck out, don't put your confidence in your flesh. For Paul says that if anybody has reason to put their confidence in their flesh, I have more reason, Paul. For Paul says that he is circumcised. The circumcised was an important part and rule of uh, the Israelites, of the Jews. And so Paul was circumcised. Paul was an Israelite. Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul uh, studied the law adamantly. Paul was zealous for the Lord. He, as In his Jewish religion, he persecuted the church. Paul was blameless under the law, according to him. So Paul had all the reason to be confident in his flesh. He had all the reason to be confident in himself. But yet he says we are not to put our confidence in the flesh. We're not to put our confidence in ourselves. Or if we feel like we can be confident in our flesh, Paul has all the more reason to be confident, especially back in that time and that day. And Paul continues in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish and in order that I may gain Christ. So here Paul continues and, and, and he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gains that Paul maybe had in, in his job or in his ministry or whatever it may be, his families, his friends, he counted it as nothing. He counted all as a loss. For it was all about knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And Paul took this a step further and he says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He says all these other things in the world, all these other things, excluding God and the Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, they're all rubbish. And now we, we have the word rubbish. I don't know what your translations may say, but uh, the Greek word uh, for that is actually skibala. And uh, that means dung. Paul here says that everything else is dung. Paul says everything else in this world is pooey. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 8, that everything else in this world, everything else other than, than knowing God and his son Jesus Christ, it's all pooey. It's all dung. It's all rubbish. Those are some strong words Paul says there. And so he continues in verse 9, and, and he writes, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 
that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So here Paul is saying that uh, he's talking about attaining a righteousness. And, and Paul says here that we don't attain the righteousness from, from what we do from the law. We, we aren't righteous because we, we feed a hungry person or we give someone who is thirsty a drink. We aren't righteous because we come to church. No, that, that doesn't make us righteous. But we're righteous through our faith in Christ and through our faith in and God, that's what makes us righteous. That's exactly what we talked about a couple months ago. If you remember, we did a series on how to attain eternal life, how to attain eternal salvation. Is God was gracious and he sent his son as a gift. And we accept that gift. We're made righteous by our faith. We accept God's free gift by faith. And so it's the faith that makes us righteous through God's grace, through God's goodness. And so he said that, I, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul here is saying that it's so important that I am found righteous so that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And now Paul here is talking about, uh, well, Jesus right now, he's sitting at the right hand of God as God has all power and authority and Jesus sitting at his right hand. And, and, and here uh, Paul is talking about the resurrection of the day when one day Christ is going to come back to this earth. Christ is going to descend from the right hand of God to this earth. And when Christ returns, talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 and Revelation chapter 20, when Christ returns, those who are found righteous, those who belong to Christ, will be resurrected. And when we're resurrected, we'll be made kings and queens and we'll rule the world. And, and after the thousand-year reign and, and, and many more events, we'll partake in God's coming kingdom. That is our ultimate reward. That is our ultimate hope to be a part of God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right been spending time with Loretta these past couple days and reminding her of the hope that we have as she's struggling just, just to live, the hope that we have that one day there's going to be a day where there's no more pain, and there's no more sickness, and there's no more crying or sorrow for the former things will have passed away. And, and here Paul says that's what he's looking for. He, he, he wants to be found righteous so by any means possible he can attain the resurrection from the dead and be found righteous and partake in God's coming kingdom. He doesn't want to be a part of the second resurrection uh, when, when Christ will judge uh, the world. We won't get into that. But Paul continues in verse 12, and he says, Not that I have already attained this, referring to verse 11 when he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. So Paul's saying, not that I've already attained the resurrection from the dead, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. So again, Paul's saying he hasn't already attained the resurrection from the dead or that he's already perfect, but he presses on to make it his own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And he continues in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So there in verse 13, really what I want to hammer home, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here Paul says that, that he, he, as he's midway through his ministry, he says that he has to forget all that has taken place in the past. He forget, forget what lies behind us, but strain forward to what lies ahead. We need to forget everything that has happened to us in the past. Yes, we need to learn from that and be grateful, but ultimately we need to forget about all that, and we need to press forward. We need to strain forward to what lies ahead. And he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here Paul, Paul's saying he, he's forgetting all about what's taken place in his path, but his ultimate goal, what he's straining for day in and day out, is for that ultimate goal. The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we, and we know that goal, that prize, is God's coming kingdom. Where again, everything wrong with this world will be made right. Just like it was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and God and their perfect relationship. Everything wrong with this world will be made right. That is the prize that we have. That is the hope that we should be straining for, that we should be working for on a daily basis. Forget what happened in 2019. Forget what happened in 2018 and, and 17 and so on. Forget all that, but strain forward. Work towards God's coming kingdom. That's the message I want to leave to you guys this morning, is to seek an opportunity to grow by straining for God's coming kingdom. Because many of us probably had a number of different experiences in 2019. For many of us, 2019 might have been an awesome year for us. I, I know it was a great year for me as, again, I got for my first opportunity ever, I, I was able to become a full-time pastor, and I love it. Uh, I was able to uh, move to a new state with my wife and a new home, and uh, I was able to uh, introduce my son into the world. So 2019 was a great year for me. But for some of us, 2019 might have been uh, not such a great year for us, as, as some of us have, some of us in this room have experienced the death of a loved one. Some of us in this room have experienced family crises. I know in 2019, I went through some of the hardest days in my life dealing uh, with my son as he was in the NICU unit, uh, and I, I wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And, and there's hard times that we go through year in and year out. But Paul here says that forget about it. Forget what you have gone through. For, for, for this temporary life is just a smidge in the grand scheme of things. For in the resurrection of the dead, if we're found righteous, we will live eternally. And in eternity is a lot bigger than 70, 80, 90, 60, 50, however many years you live. Eternity is much bigger. It's a much grander scale than here in this temporary life. So Paul says, forget about what you're going through now and set your eyes and set your goal and set your hope on God's coming kingdom, the ultimate goal, the ultimate prize for us as Christians. And so the year of 2020, I, I, I want all of us to, to grow because, again, change is inevitable. We're all going to experience change in the year 2020. But growth is not inevitable. Growth is an option, and I, and I hope all of us take that option of growth. I hope that all of us in the year 2020, we are, we are growing closer to God, and we are growing closer to his coming kingdom. 
Because I hope that each and every one of us in here can be found righteous in the resurrection of the dead so that we can partake in God's coming kingdom. That would make me the happiest man alive if if everybody in here were to be found righteous in the resurrection of the dead. And that's what we need to strive for. That's what we need to strain for in the year of 2020. We need to forget all that's happened to us and strive for growth, continue to grow closer to God on a daily basis and strive for his coming kingdom. And so as we close uh, this morning, uh, we're going to do something totally different uh, that uh, we haven't done before. Um, We're going to split up into uh, different small groups, about five to seven people. And I have uh, discussion questions that I'll hand out to you. This this might make some of you guys uncomfortable, and I'm sorry, but I think it'll be a positive exercise for us. We're going to hand out, we're going to split into groups. We're going to go over these discussion questions. And these questions are revolved around to help you decide how you are going to grow in the year 2020 by going over some of your strengths in 2019, some of your weaknesses, um, some opportunities that you have, like people you can share the gospel with. Um, These are just good questions for us to consider and talk about and reflect with one another to ensure that 2020 is not just a year of change, but that 2020 is a year of growth as well. And so at this time, you can split up into groups of between five and seven, ideally. If you have four, that's okay. Eight, that's okay. But try to stick in between five and seven. If you need to, you can move the chairs. And once you guys kind of find your groups, I'll hand out these discussion questions. And we'll do this for about 10 minutes or however long you guys uh, can talk. So go ahead and split up. Find a group. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap up the discussion. I love the discussion. I hope it continues after this, but uh, you, you can even stay where you're seated, wherever. Um, if you can hear me, that's great. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed uh, these questions, uh, your conversations uh, with your uh, group mates. Uh, and I hope that 2020 can truly be a year uh, where, not, where you don't just experience change, but where you experience growth. Because again, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And I, and I hope that in the year 2020, we all experience growth in our life. And we experience growth by continually growing closer to God and straining for our hope and prize of the coming kingdom, as Paul wrote here in, in Philippians chapter 3. And I hope that's what drives us day in and day out, is the hope that we have as Christians that one day, the things are kind of messed up right now, but one day, Jesus is going to come back, and, and, and with enough time being, he, he's going to bring God's kingdom here on earth, and everything wrong with this world is going to be made Right. God will make all things new in his coming kingdom. And I hope in the year 2020 we can all strive for God's coming kingdom. And I hope that we can forget all the junk that's happened to us in the past, that we can strive towards God's kingdom.
And now Paul talks about the resurrection a ton. Paul talks about our ultimate goal in God's coming kingdom. A lot of the New Testament writers, there's um, some uh, foreshadowing as well in the Old Testament about God's coming kingdom, how it's going to be perfect, how there's going to be peace, there's going to be no more death, uh, God himself is going to uh, dwell with us. It's going to be awesome. I like to think of it as the never-ending celebration. Who likes to party? I like to party, have a good time. The kingdom is going to be a never-ending party, a never-ending ending celebration with God and his son Jesus and all those all of our other loved ones who devoted their life to God all of our other loved ones who strived and strained for God's coming kingdom but that hope that we have in God's coming kingdom is only made possible through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It, it, it wouldn't be possible. If, if it weren't for Christ and, and his crucifixion, his resurrection, our hope and our preaching, Paul talks about, would all be in vain. It would all be useless. You would all be wasting your time right now sitting here listening to me talk. But thank goodness, thank God for the gift of eternal life, which is only made possible through Jesus Christ. Because again, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for both you and I. Jesus died on the cross once for all, for all of humanity, for all sin, so that whoever accepts his sacrifice could receive eternal life. And, and, and that's what we're going to do in, in just a minute. If you're on the music team, you can come on up. Uh, but we're going to uh, celebrate communion here as we, uh, yeah, Joe, you can come on up. <laughs> Thank you. Not to call you out, but uh, we're, we're, we're going to celebrate communion, which is the celebration, the remembrance of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ nearly 2,000 years ago. And Jesus, the night before, uh, he uh, paid the ultimate price. He sat with his disciples. They, they were uh, sharing dinner together, celebrating the Passover meal. And Jesus took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body which is about to be broken for you. So this bread that we're about to partake in represents Jesus' body being broken and crushed on the cross for us. Let's pray over the bread. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for uh, the ultimate gift, the ultimate prize of eternal life in your coming kingdom. Father, I, I uh, just thank you for the price that you paid in sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to make that possible, to make this hope possible. Father, I just pray that we don't belittle the sacrifice of your son Jesus. And, and, and I'm sorry you had to have your son crushed for us as we uh, are disobedient and have sin in our life. But I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die and, and be crushed on the cross for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.